Hello, 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 and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 35. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer, coming to you, as we always do, on a beautiful Saturday. We made it through another week in our increasingly dire world, so that is uh, a cause for celebration, at least as far as I'm concerned. You can find the show wherever out sports podcasts can be found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We are there. I'm very excited for our guest this week, somebody uh, who I'm excited to speak with. Izzy Gutierrez is a personality for ESPN. You know him from part uh, Around the Horn and Highly Questionable with Dan Lebetard. He was formerly a columnist at the Miami Herald. Most recently, he's been a reporter and sideline reporter for the NBA, though he was not in the NBA bubble, which uh, we will get into. Uh, So Izzy has just... An incredible story. Uh, First of all, he's openly gay. He came out in September of 2015 after meeting his then-husband in 2009. So think of that. Izzy Gutierrez, and we talk about this in the interview, is starting his career in the early 2000s in South Florida. He's put on the Marlins beat right out of college, and he's closeted. And he remains publicly closeted up until September 2015 when he announces his engagement right before his wedding day. So when I hear a story like that, you know, one of my first questions is always, how did you do it? I mean, Izzy made his debut on ESPN in 2004, well before his 30th birthday. He came out uh, in his early 30s. So well before his 30th birthday, he was already developing a national presence achieving great heights in his sports media career. And yet you ha- ha- he had this mental war of sorts going on in his head. And uh, he says he was able to compartmentalize, and uh, it's, very, it's very interesting. So a very interesting start to the story. And then we get into what happened this past August. Uh, Izzy split with his then-husband, David. There was some infidelity. David attempted suicide uh, after the split. And then this past August, David had passed and Izzy, uh, leaves it all out there, which is so powerful and so interesting. I mean, again, it wasn't long ago when he let nothing out there. He remained closeted up until the fall of 2015, well into his career and well into adulthood. And now he lays it all out there. So it's a great conversation and it's a great time to have it with national coming out day tomorrow, Sunday, uh, It's uh, always a very important day to me. I say all the time that I separate my life in two halves, pre-coming out and post-coming out. It's like the before Christ and after death, B.C., A.D. That's how I do it. And I came out, I was 20 years old. It was in between my sophomore and junior year of college. But really, the fall of my junior year of college was when I was fully out to anyone who mattered to me, friends, family, and... uh, let it go, and the last seven years have just been uh, an, an incredible journey, and I feel like I learn more about myself every day, and uh, it's in uh, the person I am now. If I could think back when I was like 19 years old, still wearing white t-shirts under polos, and looking at me now like in crop tops and shit, it's like it's a it's a good transformation. It makes me feel good. So hopefully you feel good as well on National Coming Out Day. Izzy Gutierrez is coming up next. It's a Sports Kiki. And welcome back to the show. It is the Sports Kiki podcast. And of course, coming up on Sunday is National Coming Out Day, as we mentioned in the opening. So we have a special guest this week to talk about coming out and, uh, well, many things that have to do 
uh, with that. Izzy Gutierrez, of course, you know him from ESPN, ESPN.com, Around the Horn. Uh, he's everywhere. Izzy, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm doing great, Alec. How about you? I'm doing well, or I guess as well as one can be doing at these times. It's six months, six, seven months later. I still feel very strange asking someone how they're doing through all of this. <laughs> um, but uh, the first question I wanted to ask you is, uh, you know, the last several years in particular, you've been covering the NBA, you've been around the game as a sideline reporter. Uh, was it weird for you this postseason to kind of watch the playoffs and be removed and be more removed from it than in years past with the bubble and everything? Yeah, it was um it was an odd experience or it has been an odd experience, although at this point I wouldn't have been there anyway with the finals. But right. um it was, you know, going up leading up to when we were figuring out or when, you know, the higher ups were figuring out who was going to the bubble, um, I had sort of mixed thoughts on whether I wanted to go or not. Uh, I did want to go for the experience. I thought it would have been one of those, you know, once in a lifetime, obviously, or maybe not obviously, uh, situations. And that, you know, in terms of safe places to be, that would be a, a good place. And, right. um, you know, there's also the thought of being away from, you know, fran- fa- friends, family, uh, my partner, um, you know, I had some personal stuff go on, which we'll probably get to at some point um, during this time, which why where I would have been in there and I would have been a mess. Like I would have either had to leave or um, just not been very focused while I was there. So um, in that respect, it just kind of felt like, it, you know, all things happen for a reason. And yeah. I just sort of relaxed and sat back and got to enjoy the playoffs uh, fully. And I thought that was, uh, you know, for, in that case, it was a pretty good experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've said from the get-go, the NBA without fans, and WNBA too, has looked the best of the sports. Uh, you know, you're watching the NFL game, and they can zoom in the camera enough where 90% of the time you don't see the empty stadium, but then you see the zoom-out shot of, like, an empty Gillette stadium, and it's 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 really yeah. kind of strikes you. But it's almost futuristic, the basketball setup. They did a nice job with that. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, a lot of – and, you know, Nobody knows, or I guess unless you're there, what it looks like or whatever, but when the, the players look toward the side of the floor where the camera's at, as if there was a crowd there, as if there's somebody that's cheering them on or somebody that they're staring down, I think that sort of adds to that element of realism too. Yeah, and so, so you mentioned this, so let, let, let's get into it. Um, you know, I was reading before uh, we chatted, uh, rereading your coming out post uh, on your blog, which you made in uh, fall of 2015. And, you know, I keep coming back to this as reading that, you know, I could not imagine trying to start my journalism career, especially a public career like like you had and like you have, while going through this total war in my head about my sexuality. It's the early 2000s. You're out of school. You're breaking into ESPN in 2004. You know, you're writing for the Sun Sentinel. I mean, you're, you're doing all of these things, and yet it seems like you have this total war in your head about your sexuality just my first question is how did you do it how did you achieve so much while seeming to lack you know that that mental peace well it's funny and um not to correct you or anything but it's, it's almost as if you would have uh, gotten my college wrong but i uh, worked for the miami herald not the sun miami Center. herald yes a little yes, bit of pride yes. there <laughs> yes i'm sure <laughs> i understand a bit of pride there that's all good it's okay um but so, you know, thinking back on it, um, I think I was just really good at compartmentalizing. Um, it was never something where 
I thought to myself, um, I'm missing something. Um, and maybe it was because I didn't really value myself enough to believe that I deserve that part of my life. But it was just something that I, I said, you know, I kept saying other things are going well, or I didn't actually say these things to myself. I just think back, look back and think maybe this was sort of the, the negotiation that I had with myself uh, the entire time. But figuring that everything else was going well, you know, work was going well. Um, I was getting the satisfaction of being not only successfully professionally, but being in a position that is envious uh, for a lot of my friends, uh, a lot of my male friends at the very least, uh, you know, being around sports and, um, you know, that, you know, fulfilled a lot of areas where I needed, you know, personal fulfillment and joy. And, you know, I had the family, uh, I have three sisters and parents that have, um, you know, been together um, and, a, you know, a large extended family and always had, you know, people around me and people um, that loved me. And so I, you know, uh, never felt like I was, again, lacking anything. But in reality, it was just something that I was uh, putting to the side or, you know, maybe more concentrating on trying to make sure that it is true, right? Um, make sure that there isn't something that I am just missing and maybe I am, you know, heterosexual or something like that, or maybe, yeah. you know, as people say, uh, sexuality is a spectrum and maybe I'm stuck on one side, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and so it was very seldomly, however, that I would sort of tap into that or ask myself that or explore that. And so um, every time I did, it was never really something that made me say, okay, this is important enough to, to alter everything else or to sort of suddenly interject into your life and, you know, knowing what would come with it. Um, and then there was just the, the, the fear um, of it. And, you know, I grew up at a time where things were loosening up in terms of um, acceptance, but never really comfortable, right? Like, I mean, we all know uh, what it's like growing up and, you know, people have to go out of their way almost just to be, um, to be clear, to be obvious that they are, you know, open-minded and they're cool and they're understanding of, of, of uh -huh. you know, other genders and other sexualities and everything else. Um, because you're not going to assume, at least not when I grew up, you're not going to assume that they were, you would always assume the opposite. And so um, I think all those factors just kind of played into it. And, in terms of the how, um, again, I don't really remember it being that difficult because I, I didn't go into my career or into my job every day upset because I had, you know, an empty personal life, right? It, I didn't um, go into my job sort of having this conflict in my head. It was just, I'm just going to go work and, um, you know, never did it cross. I mean, would it cross my mind if I was in a clubhouse, a baseball clubhouse, a basketball locker room, a football locker room, would it cross my mind and say, Hey, uh, if these folks in here knew 
would they still allow me to do my job properly? Um, yeah, that crossed my mind. But n- it was always, hey, they don't know, so what's the problem, right? It was never something that I was angry about. Um, I do remember one time, um, <laughs> one time uh, I was in the Marlins Clubhouse. This was 2000, so I was 20 or 22, maybe 23 at the time because I turned 23 during the baseball season. And um, Antonio Alfonseca, who used to be a, a Marlins yeah, yeah, closer, yeah. Right. Yeah. He, uh, I had at the time I'd had a, my first earring, I actually had it in the cartilage on the top uh, of my <laughs> left ear and I'd had it on there for about a week or two. And he, and I also, my Spanish isn't great. So I was, uh, I was a little ashamed of that in a baseball clubhouse where it's, yeah. you know, heavily Latin. And so, you know, I had that sort of being shameful about, I had my sexuality hidden that I was being shameful about. And so there wasn't like a whole lot of me, you know, walking around with my chest out, like, you know, being cocky or anything. I was very reserved. I was, you know, and so um, when Alfonseca saw the earring on me one time and he's Dominican, he knew I was Dominican and he knew I didn't speak very good Spanish, but he was okay with that. And, uh, and he, he basically asked me if I'm, if I was gay because of the earring up there without actually having to make me answer right you just basically say you know what that means right that that's right, not right, that's right. not where you want it and i'm just yeah. like he's like down here okay but up here no 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 and i'm just <laughs> like and and i'm not gonna lie like i think it was two weeks after that i got rid of it really I got rid of it because, yeah absolutely because it was not worth it to me to have to defend myself when you know, somebody who who likes me, presumably, um, is telling me that it to my face that that's not good. That's not cool. And that's gay. And I, you know, I just thought to myself, I probably really had some anger inside. But yeah. the lack of uh, just self-worth right. um, didn't really make it worth it for me. I didn't I didn't have that anger come out of me because it was more self-preservation than it was, right. you know, fighting for who I am. And so, you know, I, yeah. just, I got rid of it. I mean, I, okay. I relate to that where, like, you know, I was in high school and, you know, early college before I was out. My wardrobe was like plain blue shirt, plain gray shirt, <laughs> plain black shirt. Like I was so afraid of dressing even a little bit flamboyantly, like wearing a graphic tee. Um, and, and I just felt like, up. Oh, that's just how it is. I'm just going to have to stay as muted as I can. It seems like you were dealing with similar things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it just sort of tells you right there, um, without you even asking, uh, what the temperature of the room is, you know, what is the thought in there? Um, and you know, that kind of, I, again, at the time, didn't really think of it in these terms, but looking back, um, it kind of set a tone for me um, for, okay, it's it's not even close to being a situation where I can I can come out and be comfortable. And, and perhaps that was, you know, starting in baseball. And I just got a, I just gotten out of school, got my first job at the Palm Beach Post right out of school. Um, thought I'd be covering high school for a few years before I did anything, but they, they made me their Marlins beat writer after about three weeks. And so it was, you know, do whatever it takes to fit in, to do your job well, to figure stuff out. And um, I was not necessarily a baseball guy. I, don't know, I did enjoy it, uh, but I 
had I started maybe in different settings, different locker rooms, different sports, maybe it would have been a different picture. But, you know, baseball is the – this is the way I like to put it because I don't – in terms not like a scale of masculinity, but baseball I find to be the most close-minded of the sports because um, if you look at the makeup of the people there, a lot of, let's say, the American players uh, went from high school to the minor leagues. Um, a lot of, you know, the foreign players, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds from like the Caribbean, Latin countries, uh, not really worldly cultured, you know, educated to, to um, you know, let's say a college level, uh, coming over here and learning on the fly, uh, a lot of those clubhouses seem, or at least in the past, have been a little bit, uh, I would say, you know, just not as progressive as others. And being in that setting early on just definitely set a tone for me. But, uh, you know, going forward, it was just a matter of just getting my job done and doing it as well as I can and sort of worrying about the personal stuff later. And, uh, as I went along, it just seemed to work, so I just kept doing it. And it wasn't until, you know, for lack of a better term, my hand was forced that I uh, eventually came out publicly. And what do you mean your hand was forced? When you, when you got engaged? Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally my hand, because there was a ring on it. There was going to be a <laughs> ring on it in a few days. And so I had to be able to explain to those who would see me speaking with my, you know, Latin hands. Uh, I always speak with my hands, uh, what that ring yes. is all about. So, uh, yeah, that was it. Really, and, and and before then, so you got engaged in like early 2014, right? Um, you got engaged to your right. to your then husband. Um, you prior to that, you know, because you're out to some friends and family, you were were you you were still able to compartmentalize those two things, or did that get more difficult as you as you aged and got further into your career and your life? I'm trying. I'm literally right now trying to think back to that time because you're talking about me coming out. Uh, personally, in 2009, uh, when I was 31, shortly after meeting uh, my then part, uh, then partner would be husband uh, David, um, from 2009 until I came out in 2015. So it still like came out publicly in 2015. So you're still talking about six years of that. And like thinking back now, I honestly cannot remember whether it was difficult, easy. Um, like, I just remember having a new segment of my life. I just remember having, um, you know, get understanding silly things like love songs and, um, you know, and what my mother must have went through or father must have went through or sisters must have went through. I remember, you know, thinking in terms of two people now instead of one at all times, whether it was, you know, food, you know, yeah, going out right. or everything else and, uh, and income and trips and stuff. And, and that's all I seem to remember because I don't really, like I do remember work and I do remember being um, maybe a different level of free, but I don't like, I don't remember. And this is just, honestly, you're making me think of this for the first time. I don't remember, like, social media and pictures and, like, did I, did I hide things from the public when I was with David before I came out publicly? I don't remember that. And, frankly, I kind of feel shitty about it because I don't know if he, at the time, maybe felt like I was hiding him, which really right. didn't uh, show in my personal life, but... You know, in terms of professionally, here I was on national television, um, and I wasn't through the – actually, I was through the entirety of our relationship. Um, 
you know, here I was on national television and, you know, there is not even an acknowledgement of my other half. And so um, I guess, you know, there was still that little bit of uh, fear or a lot of bit of fear because it took me until eight days before my wedding to actually, you know, finish that thing and, and write it and send it because I'd tried a million times and just failed a million times and was never, um, and I was always better under deadline just because I, uh, <laughs> I was a writer in a newspaper. And so, yeah, I think that was, um, that was just a weird time for me. And it was almost like I was just experiencing, make, I was making up so much time in what I'd lost that it just kind of all happened really fast. And thinking back, it's like, I don't, I can't really in detail answer some of the questions that, um, you know, where people say, hey, what were you thinking? Or what was that like? Because frankly, it was just happening. And I can't. And, uh, you know, looking, this is meaning over the last uh, three years is the first time that I've just been able to at times look back and, and, and recognize, you know, what I was going through, how I was feeling, sort of do the psychoanalysis of it and then try to remember as much as I can. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we go from there to here where you're so open, you're so public. I was listening to the podcast you did uh, in September with, with Greg, with Greg Cote, and uh, talking mm-hmm. about your, your, your partner David and your breakup. And just, I mean, you're so open about these, these really deep, deep-seated things. Just how did you get from there to here and why? Are you so open with not just being gay, but, you know, the most intimate details about your life? Um, well, I'll tell you, uh, the, the Greg Cody podcast that I did was, uh, and Greg Cody's a columnist for the Miami Herald where I used to work, right. and that's uh, where I first met him. And before that, I did a podcast called Lauer After Hours, which is um, related to the Dan Levitard show on ESPN um, and their fans who started a podcast. And that's where I just sort of for the first time, let everything out. And the reason, there was a reason for it. And the reason was, is because my partner had passed. He, he had attempted uh, suicide attempted after we suicide, split up, but right. he actually passed of, a, of just health reasons. And um, basically when I came out in 2015 publicly, um, it was soon thereafter very easy to see how much of an impact it can be on others just to have the visibility and to have the representation uh, in a public eye and just me speaking from the heart on a couple of you know lgbt related subjects uh, on television um, or on radio uh, really reaches people um, and in a way that is you know hard to to gauge because um, it wasn't until after i came out i would say uh, except for a handful, uh, maybe like a Greg Louganis. Um, but weren't very many gay heroes, especially not in the sports world, uh, male anyway. And, um, you know, I recognize that just being in this industry and, and, and being representative of a, you know, a segment of the population that was like me uh, growing up, um, how easy it is to have an impact. And, you know, I, a couple of times had, uh, you know, been reached out to or seen in public and had somebody say some really heartfelt things to me uh, that I'd never met. And, um, you know, all of that just made me realize that, you know, I have gotten a lot more out of my life um, for, by being open and sharing than I was for the 31 years where I was, you know, closeted and inside and not sharing a thing. And so, um you know, fast forward a little bit to uh, 
this past August where I did find out that uh, my ex-husband who, you know, we divorced uh, in 2017 officially, uh, you know, and this thing, I'm, like you said, I've been open about in the past and continue to be, but, you know, he was unfaithful and we split up immediately and he, uh, you know, was, didn't handle it very well, like attempted suicide the same day and, um, you know, coming out of that was not a very pleasant experience for him. Um, he was, you know, hospitalized for a couple of weeks and, you know, sedated and for much of it, wasn't sure what was reality and what wasn't when he came out and came out of it. And, you know, we had our divorce and, um, right, you know, soon thereafter. And, um, we just sort of parted ways. And like, I, I, I didn't have much, if any contact, uh, and then probably over the last two years, none at all. And so, um, I'd find out in early August that he was like terminally ill. Like I had, you know, no idea. He had no idea, frankly, he just didn't take care of himself very well. And, um, within two weeks from that had passed and it was just one of those very jarring situations where, um, you know, I never expected to a have a lifelong male partner, B get married to someone, C get divorced from someone and then D have that person pass away and have, you know, this whole life, literally a lifelong experience in a matter of years, just a few, a handful of years. And, um, yeah. you know, so having experienced what I experienced with being open before, I just figured this was not only helpful for whomever could hear it, um, but just for me, uh, selfishly to have sort of a group therapy type of situation to be relate, uh, to relate, um, to so many other people. And I think, um, where I have landed after all of this is just like, you know, if everybody would just admit to what is troubling them in their lives or what is going not great in their lives, you would all recognize that we all have so many things that we can relate to uh, each other by, you know, it's the whole, we're way more alike than we are different thing. And so if I just go along and pretend everything's great and just, you know, leave a nugget of information here or there, uh, people won't really think that, you know, somebody like me had been, had, would go through something like that. You know, maybe they think it's the whole happy ending fairy tale. Hey, he came out, he got married, everything's yeah. great story. And then you realize that there's a lot more to that. And so, um, you know, the reaction was exactly what I expected it to be was a lot of people saying that very same thing that, Hey, uh, you know, it's, it's, it helps me to hear somebody else go through the same thing. And, you know, potentially as I was still going through it, come out on the other side. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't find any reason not to share at this point. You know, it's not like I, it's not like I am shameful of anything or have anything to hide. So, you know, why not say what I can say and, and try to help people? I, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, you, you're going through that with your partner, you find out he's been unfaithful, and then you find out he attempts suicide after, right after the break. I, I, that's like, wow, <laughs> very, a lot, was, a lot, a lot, a lot to deal with. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot at the time. And uh, I remember, um, and this is just another one of those moments where you think back and realize, man, did I even value myself at all? Because um, it was the day after that attempted suicide where um, I was supposed to fly to Chicago and cover a game uh, for ESPN. And I really, really didn't think it was okay to call in. 
and like say I can't do it. Like I, I had to, I was, I was wow. nervous. I was like, are they going to think I'm some sort of drama queen? Like, are they really? going to think that I'm going through? Oh, yeah, oh absolutely. Because you were absolutely. gay, or, or, or do you think if uh, you were uh-huh. because yeah. because I was gay and I had just gotten married, right? And these same people, this same man, who I was calling to ask for the for essentially a day off, right, <laughs> was a man who had called me and congratulated me when I came out, you know, and announced my wedding in a year, you know, a year and a half earlier. And here I was less than a year and a half um, from that same date. And it's, oh, shit, like everything's falling apart and his partner almost killed himself. Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? That's what was going through my head is the judgment on the other side of the phone instead of, hey, I need to, you know, be okay mentally and I need this day off. Like, it's crazy to think that. And I would never, you know, I would never want anybody else to think that way and to, to sort of repress any sort of um, just outlet because I needed, I needed to be able to, to, to whatever you would want to call that at the time. It was grieve, moan, uh, you know, complain, uh, cry, get angry, whatever. And, um, yeah, I didn't even think I was – worth that which is crazy to think about i, mean, I would say you're that's deserving of a mental health day if there ever was one my lord <laughs> yeah. um so about you know how you use your platform talking about you know lgbt issues in a sports context and i remember last year on around the horn uh i think it was the end you had won you talked about tyson fury's uh history of homophobia and i thought that was such a strong statement not just because about what you said but because espn which of course broadcasts around the horn was broadcasting his fight that night. Um, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of issues, you know, it seems like almost every month or every other month, there's an issue, an LGBT issue in sports um, with homophobia, et cetera. Last week we had Colin Martin, as you've continued on now in your journey as a publicly out, very public national sports figure, how do you, how do you determine when to chime in, when to not, uh, and you know, in the power that, that your voice has? Um, I always want to, um, I always, basically, I just want, I just look at it as, you know, I just put any other minority group in the situation and I say, is it about an LGBT issue in this case, or is it about something else? And am I making it an LGBT issue? Right. That's all it is. Like, so if I'm force feeding it and saying, Hey, this has to be some, then it's just like, well, you know, that's not really what we're talking about here. You're just really injecting your own, you know, sensibilities and personal issues and stuff like that into this. Um, Whereas if it's, if it's clearly uh, something that needs to be addressed, if it's clearly something that can, people can learn from, you know, the Colin Martin situation I thought was great. Um, of Landon Donovan, not only to right. to address it, to walk his team off the field, um, but also just to to hear the opposing coach and the referee and their responses to it, and the other coach essentially saying, um, "Hey, are, are you new to soccer? This has been going on forever." Right. And with with like to to see that that is the mindset on who knows how many coaches, players teams, sports around the country, around the world, like that is, that's the mindset that has to change. And yet he's, he's displaying it in front of, you know, a referee in front of another uh, uh, head coach and doing it flippantly as if, ha you know, things are never going to change. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. And so 
something like that, I would say, yeah, it has to be talked about. And so it really just does come down to that. You know, who can, who, if somebody can learn something, if it can be glean any sort of, um, you know, awakening. And I've gotten a lot of that in terms of that Tyson Fury uh, FaceTime on, um, yeah. on Around the Horn. And, you know, a little bit of background on that is I was doing uh, Highly Questionable uh, on the same day that show um, filling in for Dan Levitard and working with Sarah Spain and Tyson Fury was one of the subjects and it kind of hit me a little bit um, late in the taping process because I didn't even realize it was going to be on there. And so I just asked them, you know, because I was having a hard time with it. I was just having a hard time just talking about Tyson Fury without talking about how I really feel. And right. so I just said, can we just kill this topic? And they said, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And so in between tapings, um, you know, Sarah said it was good of me to say that. And I should have, um, you know, I should say what I want to say. And if I wasn't ready for it, then, you know, it was good. And so I just spent the time in between shows just thinking about what I wanted to say had I won. And let me just tell you, <laughs> the odds of me, like, I have never properly predicted when I'm going to win that damn show. I never know. Like, there are days where I don't have any any idea what i would do for a FaceTime, and like 90 percent of the time those are the ones that i win and then i just have to you know come up with something you know right before or um you know there are times where i've got something great and i there's no chance that i'm going to win right so here i did in my own head sort of came up with what i wanted to say about tyson the whole show not even thinking about what i'm actually talking about i was just thinking about making it to FaceTime, <laughs> and somehow i did and then the the you know, the host, Tony, and the producers, they didn't know what I was going to say because I told them I had something to talk about in terms of Titan Fury, but I didn't tell them what. And so when I said that, it was just kind of all very, I was nervous. It was like, uh, I wasn't sure I was going to get it across properly within those 25, 30 seconds. And had I not, we still would have just retaped it, but it wouldn't have hit the same. You know what I mean? And so... um you know, I, I, I didn't think about the fact that the fight was on ESPN until afterward. I didn't think about any of that. I just said what I felt. And it made a lot of people recognize that for the very first time, that he had that history um, and that he yeah. says what he said. Um, and they wrote me about it and said, wow, that's shocking. You know, F this guy, whatever. And that's not what I want them to say. You know, I want, frankly, I would, <laughs> what I would have loved is for somebody from his camp to reach out to me and just have a conversation. But right. I'm pretty sure that's never going to happen. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's easy to tell sometimes when it's, um, a subject that needs to be addressed, but what I like to do more than anything is just talk about things in the context, um, LGBT related stuff in just everyday, um, conversations or everyday discussions, whether it be radio or television, just to sort of get the ear comfortable to hearing it, right? hearing a man say, you know, boyfriend or partner or husband or hearing, right. you know, or, or interjecting a gay joke uh, where they weren't expecting it or a gay sex joke where they're right, just right, like, right. Hmm, I guess we have to, we have to acknowledge this as uh, <laughs> funny. <laughs> and so um, that's the part where I think, um, for lack of a better term, I could do the most damage because uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I am I am in people's faces daily or in their ears daily, um, or if not weekly. And it is, you know, it is something that sort of normalizes or just opens people's eyes to to things that, you know, to to the to the variations in who we are, to the things that we have to deal with, to the 
you know, to everything basically. Yeah, it's it normalizes it. It does. It certainly does. Um, I've uh, I've been very curious about this too. You know, Izzy, and I'm curious this with with a lot of people. Um, you know, you hit it. You know, you really made it early in your career. You mentioned that you get the Marlins beat writer job when you're in your early 20s. You're at ESPN. You know, contributing there well before your 30th birthday. Uh, how have you maintained your enthusiasm this whole time? Covering sports where, uh, you know, the players may change, but, you know, the general stories, it's just uh, how have you maintained your enthusiasm covering sports for, for so long? Well, it's funny because there was a time where I'd lost a good amount of it. Um, it was right around that time in 2015 where I was about to come out where things had, you know, being on TV for several years and you should start recognizing the repetitive nature of a lot of the storylines right. started recognizing sort of should they um, the buy or sell <laughs> right exactly the emptiness and you know creating a an argument in about 30 seconds which you would need about you know eight hours to do so properly right um and then there was something that sort of hit me i think uh levitar dan levitar helped me see this a little clearer too was um there's a reason why those who um, respect me, respect my coming out, is because they see me doing this job that they so badly want to do, right? And so in order, and, and so it is why, like, it's, it, you know, just go back to why I came out to begin with or why I waited to come out. It was me, me waiting to be legitimate, legitimized, right? Me waiting for me to be respected in this field for a long enough time where I, then I come out and they say, hey, there's nothing you can say to me because you've already seen, you know, you thought I was straight this whole time and you respected me. You can't just flip that just because I'm gay, right? And so I, <laughs> excuse me. So uh, that whole thought process is what sorry i just got distracted real quick give me one second i'm sorry yeah no worries no worries at all the beauty of a podcast yeah sorry about that okay i'm sorry what was the uh, what was i saying no was worries question? uh no i was just up. saying that uh you know i find it because i'm 27 and i've been doing this since i was out of school and even me it's very hard i mean that's why i left sports talk radio every day i was doing it and i'm like i'm just bored with this and i was there for like you know three years <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I'm just, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I just feel like I was going somewhere and then. The oh, yes. Um, just, no, just, um, uh, oh, you were, you were, um, you were, you came out in, in 2015. You started laboring a little bit in your interest, but the fact that you can be a visible right, gay right. person so, in sports. So what, yeah. What I came to the realization was, was that the reason that people liked me and respected me was because of my love for sports and what I did with it. And so if I lose that love, then I'm just some guy who's going out there going through the motions. And that's not somebody that people respect, right? Like they, they liked me because of my passion for it, of my knowledge of it, of my interest in it, right? I can talk it with them, but if I lose interest in that, then what am I, right? I'm just some guy. And so I think it made me have to, um, it made me sort of recognize what, why it mattered for me to love it. And that sort of, in an odd way, made me love it again. It wasn't necessarily like I needed to love sports again. It was I needed to connect with why the audience respects and likes me. 
and that, you know, all ties into sports. And so, you know, it, it, it reinvigorates me when I know, hey, I might be talking about this for the 10th time, but there might be somebody at home only listening to it for the first time. And it's just like, oh, wow, that is really cool, yada, yada. And so that's just sort of made me love, let's just say the job again, because I've always loved sports. Yeah, you got to have the love or else, you know, there are lots of other things you can do for a lot more money <laughs> if, you, if, you don't, if, you don't love, uh, sure. if you don't love sports, that's for sure. Um, Izzy Gutierrez of ESPN. Izzy, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. So thank you for listening to the show. Uh, and also a big thanks to Izzy Gutierrez for uh, taking the time and doing an extended sit down. It was an inter- he's an interesting guy to talk to. Uh, So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next on the show next weekend. So long.